So let's answer the question, how do we know a true prophet from a false prophet? Now, we've had two segments on Jonathan Kahn. Now, I'm not going to go in and analyze any more of it, but I have yet to find a single prophecy that he himself has initiated that has taken place. Now, he's very good at analyzing. I mean, he can look at and analyze things more than about anyone else that I know. So he's good at that, and that helps. But let's come here to John 3, and let's see what John said concerning anyone who comes in the name of God. John 3 and verse 31, talking about Jesus Christ. And of course, you can imagine the arguments back and forth during the first century in Jerusalem during the ministry of Jesus Christ. The people saying, oh, he's a wonderful prophet. Oh, look at all of the healings. And all of the scribes and Pharisees and priests and Sadducees were against him, wanting to kill him. So what is the test that someone is from God? All right. Verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Now, that's speaking of Christ, but also that transfers down to those who were elders and ministers of Christ, because what did Jesus give as his last command found in Matthew 28 to all of the apostles? Go into all the world and teach them and baptize them, teaching them all things that I have said. Okay. So you look at that, and that means all things that Jesus has said. Then he's speaking again of Jesus, verse 32. And what he has seen and heard, this is what he testifies, but no one receives his testimony. And Jesus said, I don't speak my own words. I don't do anything of my own self, but it's the Father in me that does it, right? Okay. Now notice verse 33. The one who has received his testimony has set his seal that God is true. We are affirming that God himself is true. No lie in him, no lie in his word, no deceit. Okay. Now here's the the key. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of of God. Okay? And God gives not the Spirit by measure to him. So this is showing that Jesus was full of the Spirit of God. And those of us who do the teaching who have the Spirit of God, we must rely on the Spirit of God to help us, to inspire us, so that we can teach the things that the brethren know. Okay? Now, 
Wayne Julian sent me the 2020 Passover, an hour and a half of Jonathan Kahn. Okay? Now then, that was a Seder. And it wasn't even done on the 15th day of the first month. It was done on Thursday before Good Friday. And in it, he acknowledged the Lord's Supper, what the Protestants do, and communion, what the Catholics do. Are those the words of God? Hmm? All right. Now then, another thing. 1 Corinthians 11, you don't have to turn there, but it says it's a shame for a man to cover his head when he prays. Every time Jonathan Kahn asked a prayer in the Seder meal, he put the carpet over his head. See? For what purpose? For what purpose? Does that make one more righteous than another? Does that make the prayer go to heaven faster? And all the Jews do this. So what we have, we have Judaism. He tries to show certain things about the Seder having to do with Jesus Christ, but it doesn't. Okay? Now, let's come to John 7. So anyone who's a prophet has to speak the words of God. Now, when we study and we'll look at some prophecies, when we read those prophecies that God has preserved for us, and we show how they apply at whatever time in history it may apply, that is not prophesying. That is speaking the words of God to show what the condition really is. Okay. Now, John 7, verse 15. Now, this is when Jesus came to the Feast of Tabernacles. He came up secretly and then entered into the feast in the middle of the feast in verse 15, the Jews were amazed, saying, How does this man know letters, having never been schooled? Now that means he never attended a rabbinical school. Now think of this. Don't you think all the rabbis and priest conferred with one another and ask, did you teach him in your synagogue? Did you teach him in your synagogue? No. We find, you can put this in your notes, Isaiah 50, verse 4, a prophecy of how Jesus was taught. He was taught every morning by the Father. 
Okay. Every morning. Verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Then he gives a very interesting key. And here is the key for understanding the whole Bible. Okay? If anyone desires to do his will, see, you do the will of God, okay? He shall know the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak from myself. Very interesting. Now, that's how we apply to everyone. Remember, the church at, at Ephesus was commended because they tried the false apostles. And what did they find? They found that they were liars. Okay. Now, did Jonathan Kahn really speak the truth and do the truth with that Seder or any other Seder that he has done? Do we find anything recorded in the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John concerning taking the Passover, which is the new covenant, new testimony of Christ, right? Okay. Did he ever say when you start the service, blow the ram's horn? No, he didn't. Did he ever say, drink the wine four times? No, he didn't. Did he ever say, hide the unleavened bread and open the door for Elijah so that he may come? No, he didn't. It has to be, what? Whomever God sends does what? Speaks the words of God. Okay? Now, there are some things of the scripture Jonathan Kahn brings out. That's true. But, he still preaches to the Jews Judaism with a mixture of Yeshua mixed in. And he goes Sunday morning and preaches to the Protestants. Now, if he were a real prophet of God, which he's not, we could consider him a half-prophet at best. And if he's a half-prophet, then he's half of a false prophet, Right? Okay. What do you think would happen? Because he goes on TBN and Daystar. And they listen to what he has to say. He even tells them some meaning of the holy days. And they sit there all ga, 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 ga. But they say, oh, that's for the Jews. See? What do you think would happen if he sat down and said, well... You know, I've studied the Bible very thoroughly, and I've been coming here a long time telling you about a lot of different things. 
And I have failed in the past to do what God has said, but now I'm going to tell you what God has said. And so, all of you Sunday keepers, you must repent of Sunday keeping and keep the Sabbath if you want to know God. See? Because your lawlessness has brought America to the point that it is. When you have said the law has been done away. See? Well, it's like one preacher told a Sabbath-keeping preacher when the Sabbath-keeper said, well, why don't you uh, announce this coming Sunday that since you now believe in the Sabbath, that uh, everybody come here next Saturday, which is the Sabbath. And he said, well, if I do that, the church would be empty. Right? So what does that tell you? What does that demonstrate? That though they use the name of Jesus, it's another Jesus. Okay. Now, everyone thinks, let's elect Trump and he will save us. No, he won't. No, he won't. You know the message that Trump needs to hear? Donald, you're a highly educated man. You know a lot of things about running government. However, you need to have more understanding about those who sneak in to undermine you. And the best way you can do that is this. You read the Bible, and God raises up one leader, one nation, puts down a leader, puts down a nation. And Donald, you deserve to lose that election because you took all the credit to yourself. Now, if you run again, what you're doing. And if you win, you had better put God first and give him all the credit. Because whatever you have and whatever you have learned, if you don't apply what God says, it's going to fail. And if you write, rely upon your own ability and your own mind and your own thoughts, it's going to fail again. This country needs to repent. So that's the message. Now, if anyone can get that message to Donald Trump, 
tell him I also have a Bible for him with his name on it and for everyone in his family that I have now kept for three years waiting to send to them. So I would send him a very nice letter. Okay? But it would contain just about what I have said here. So the truth of the matter is this. The religious leaders, the political leaders need to repent. And the people need to repent. The educators need to repent. Now everyone points to the situation with Jonah and going to the Ninevites and preaching, and they repented. But what happened? The king took off all his royal garments, fasted, commanded everyone to fast and pray, and even the animals. So, Mr. Trump, anything short of that is not going to turn back the hand of God. Because no man can stop what is coming. Let's take a break and we'll come back. Now let's continue on with Sabbath services. And we will entitle this portion to sodomize and Gomorrahize the world. And as you will see, that is what is happening. And as you will see, that what they are doing, you can be guaranteed from the word of God, nothing is going to get better. And you'll see why. Let's come to the book of Jude, because he covers this very well. Now remember, Satan is the one who is deceiving the whole world, and let's ask a question. Since he's deceiving the whole world, does that not mean he controls it? And that being so, how does he control it? Jude, he writes, beginning in verse 3, Beloved, when personally exerting all my diligence to write to you concerning the common salvation, I was compelled to write to you exhorting you to fervently fight for the faith. And Satan wants you to compromise the faith. That's how he begins. But the end 
is what we're going to look at today, which was once for all time delivered to the saints, for certain men had stealthily crept in. Those who long ago have been written about. Now we're going to read about some of them. Okay? We have what? Stealth infiltration where? In Christianity? Has it been deceived and taken down? Yes. In government? Has our government been taken down? And governments of the world? In education? Every aspect of life. In business? They have come in stealthily to bring their destructive heresies while claiming to be progressive. Right? But all of it is regressive, satanic thinking. Written about condemning them to this judgment, the judgment of God, we're going to read some of it here in a little bit. They are ungodly men, and we can put in there ungodly women. Because we're going to focus in on both, and especially in education, and especially with children, and especially with preschoolers. Let's go on. There are ungodly men who are perverting the grace of our God, turning it into licentiousness. That means anything they pronounce as experts goes. Okay. And are personally denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They hate God. When a celebration of the of the Satan con took place in Massachusetts last week, one woman got up there and everybody cheered saying, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! And they say, Well, we're not worshiping Satan. It's just the freedom he brings. And that woman tore the pages out of a Bible she had in her hand. So that tells you what people think of the Bible, right? And that also portrays to us what kind of battle we have ahead of us. Now, I have a whole lot more to bring on the temple of Satan as time goes on, because they have over, what, 700,000 members, right? And they are protected by the Constitution, right? Is anyone willing to stand up and say how great our Constitution is if they don't have the uh, ability to help people keep the correct morals? See, because the truth is, The Constitution we have is only good for those people who believe in God and want to keep his commandments. 
And if they don't, Satan comes in and he tears it apart and does with it what he's doing right now. And with free will, free access, Let's go on. So he said, But I myself want to remind you, though you once understood this, that the Lord, after saving the people out of Egypt, the second time destroyed those who didn't believe. Why? What did they go back to? They went back to the same thing that they did in Egypt. And there are a lot of practices that you never knew that they had in Egypt. Okay. Especially sexually. And the angels, now you want to know you want to know how bad this this sin is? You read it right here. Right here. God's hand of correction is not going to come back. It will continue. And the angels who do not keep their original domain but deserted their habitation, he's holding in eternal bonds under darkness, under the judgment of that great day. And just as Sodom and Gomorrah, now you go online and you look up the specials that have been done by the archaeologists who have gone down to where Sodom used to be, where Gomorrah used to be, and everything is nothing but sulfur and brimstone. Not one shred of a human existence remains. Not even a tooth. And what is happening now is they're teaching the young children to become like Sodom and Gomorrah. So much so that many states are passing legislation that at 12 years old, children can leave home and their parents have no legal right to keep them. And into whose arms do you think they're going to be welcomed? All of the sexual perverts of every brand and description. And when it comes to those kinds of sins, God gets especially angry and especially powerful in his correction. Let's read on. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities surrounding them in the same manner as them have given themselves over to sexual debaucheries, and having gone after different flesh, that's what they call today zoophilia, are themselves exhibited as a perpetual example of undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Okay? 
Now, let's come back to Hosea, the fourth chapter. Now, we've been there before, but you have not understood, nor have I understood, just how absolutely base and low that this society is coming to. Hosea 4. Let's begin in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, children of Israel, and we are the descendants of the children of Israel. Not the church, but all of America. And now, being fulfilled before our very eyes, every single day, because this nation did not serve God in love and cheerfulness and joy, but rejected his law and said they don't have to keep the law of God and accused God of giving them a law that's a curse. When the law is a blessing. And he's given choice as to what we need to do. And the choices have all been wrong. He has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth. Are we overrun with lies everywhere and accepted? Okay. Look at the corruption of the Biden family and the Democrats and all of the anarchists and the Satanists that there are today who destroy truth. And all of those who are supposed to know the truth don't believe the truth and don't know the truth, but they give us nice, sweet, talking, patty cake remedies to try and uh, assuage a troubled soul. But it won't do it. No truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land, especially no knowledge of God. Taking them out of schools, taking them out of government, taking them out of the courts, taking them out of the private lives, taken him out of the churches and brought in another Jesus. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. Is that not what we have today? And adultery here includes all kinds of aberrant sex. They break out and blood touches blood. Sound like New York City, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New Orleans, St. Louis, Baltimore, Chicago. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who dwells in it languages, and the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven. Yes, and the fish of the sea shall be taken away. Let no man strive, nor reprove another, for my people, as are of those who strive with the priest. You shall stumble in the day, and a prophet shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. Now, verse 6, a key thing to understand, okay? And we can see this happening. Don't they all have solutions to try and save this and save that and save the other? See, they're looking at all the effects, trying to solve the effects when they're not looking to the cause. 
and the cause is no knowledge of God. And the cause is lawlessness. All right? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you reject knowledge. Just like I said earlier, if a Sunday-keeping minister said, next week we're going to keep the Sabbath and you all come and the church is empty. Because why? People reject knowledge. Notice what happens when you do that. You reject the knowledge of God. Does God know that you do that? Does God know that you believe the lies of Sunday and all the holidays and are blasphemous to him and all of the ministers dare take the name of Jesus Christ and attach it to all of the pagan holidays and especially Easter which celebrates Ishtar the goddess of the Babylonians. That's the knowledge they have accepted and have rejected the knowledge of God. So what happens? All right. Continuing, I, that is God, will also reject you from being a priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. What does that mean? Okay. Now, this report is so vivid, I can't read it all. If there are presence of children out there watching the live streaming, so I won't. But this is put out by a organization called Stop World Control. Well, you're not going to stop world control unless you turn people to God and repent. Okay? Here it is. Every child should have a sexual partner. Okay? Shocking report reveals worldwide agenda to normalize pedophilia through kindergartens and elementary schools and actually have sex play and sex experimentation in school with the teachers. Here's a nice picture of a little child. Every child should have a sex partner. You are invited to a global unmasking of an operation to normalize pedophilia through primary education. And yes, I have the whole UN report. They have 60 lawmakers from many countries saying that sex at any level is fine. And there should be no criminal laws with it. 
the United Nations. When it says Satan had deceived the whole world, that means he's controlling it. And we have to stand for the truth. And we have to expose these things for what they are. Or God is going to have words with us that aren't going to be very lovely indeed. Okay? The World Health Organization and the UN are instructing elementary schools worldwide to teach children to abuse themselves. I'll just use that as a kind word. Use pornography, practice oral sex, have homosexual relationships. According to these guidelines, teachers should ensure that children have sex partners and begin with sex as early as possible. That is Satan's answer to destroy this generation. Because when that happens, what happens? Children cannot have a mind to really learn. To learn what they need to learn. And they become addicted to sex as early as they can get them addicted to sex. Now that's the most satanic and evil and awful thing. See? You will see conclusive evidence that this is part of the global agenda to normalize pedophilia. Then there's a summarized report in it. I will post both of them online, the whole UN report of what they intend to do. Where is the United Nations located? New York City. Okay. Now then, let's come to Ezekiel 33. Here's what we are to do. Now, in doing so, I'm not trying to set myself up as a prophet, but all I'm going to do is take God's word that when we see trouble, we better warn the people. And it's a shame that it has gotten so debauched that it's almost unbelievable what we have to speak from the pulpit. See? And so don't expect any improvement in anything. Okay? Ezekiel 33, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, so this is what Ezekiel prophesied the word of the Lord. And you find that all the way through all the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Nahum, Haggai, Zephaniah, and Zechariah, and Malachi. The word of the Lord. 
Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from among them and set him up as a watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the ram's horn and warns the people. Okay? That's what we're doing. God expects all of us as elders and ministers to speak out without hesitation of this abominable thing that's coming upon the land. Okay? Zechariah 33. Okay? Verse 4. Then whoever hears the sound of the ram's horn and does not take warning, if the sword come and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the ram's horn and did not take warning. The blood shall be upon him, upon himself. Okay? So there's free moral agency. We have free moral agency as elders and ministers of God, but we must take that free moral agency to preach the word of God and to warn. And if we don't warn it's coming, we're going to be afflicted because we failed our duty. Okay? That's what he's saying. Verse 6, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the ram's horn, and the people are not warned, if the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but I will require his blood at the watchman's hand. So we all have a responsibility. See? Let's look at what the, what the sin was. What does it all start out as? Let's come to Ezekiel 20. Okay? What does it all start out as? It starts out as something simple and nice. Someone coming to you and saying, put yourself in situation of Rome in the 60s A.D., Okay. Christians were being persecuted, killed, hauled off to jail, exiled out of Rome. Okay. Now then, here comes a preacher supposedly of Christ who may be even heard Jesus, and he says, now look. Let's meet on the first day of the week instead of the Sabbath, and we will avoid the persecution. Because we love Jesus. We read the words of the apostle. So why don't you come and join us? Okay. Doesn't it always start that way? I have a benefit for you. See? And Bakioki writes about that in his book from Sabbath to Sunday. Okay? And there are a couple all named by Paul, Linus, and Clement who were in on it. Okay? Let's read it. Ezekiel 20. 
He says, I brought the people out of Egypt. He gave my laws, gave my commandments, but they rejected them. Now, verse 11. And I gave them my statutes and showed my ordinances, which if a man do, he shall live in them, because they're a blessing. And I also gave my Sabbaths. Notice that's plural. Not just the weekly Sabbath, the annual Sabbath too. To be a sign between me and them. So anyone who keeps the Sabbath and keeps 14th Passover and keeps the holy days of God have the sign of the true God upon them. That they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness and did not walk in my statutes. They despised my ordinances, which if a man does, he shall even leave live in them, and they greatly polluted my Sabbath in the wilderness. Under the cloud by day and the pillar by night and the manna to eat. They rejected God. Now, is that not what we're doing here in America? All that God has given us, this great land from sea to shining sea, the most productive in the world, raised us to be the strongest power in the world. And what did we do? We let the infiltrators take it away because the preachers of the land were unwilling to follow God. and cause lawlessness to rule in the land. All right? And I said, I will pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to destroy them, and that was true. Everyone who rebelled against going into the promised land when they should have gone in there 20 years or older were killed. Okay? And you think, oh, God is harsh. Really? You ever read Revelation 20? What's going to happen to the wicked? He's not going to play a patty cake with him. He's going to throw him in the lake of fire and burn him up. Okay? But I work for my name's sake that I should not be profaned before the heathen in their sight, and I brought them out. Okay, verse 16. Why all of this is coming? Because they despised my judgments and walked not in my statutes. They polluted my Sabbath, for their hearts went after their idols. Nevertheless, I spared them from destroying them, nor did I make an end of them in the wilderness." Then I said to their children in the wilderness, all right, remember what he said to them? Remember what he said to Joshua when you go into the land? Okay. Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statute and keep my ordinances and do them and keep my Sabbaths holy. 
and there shall be a sign between me and you so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. But the children rebelled against me and went and did the same thing. Okay? So God turned them over to their own devices. Now let's come to Jeremiah, the fourth chapter, okay? Let's see what happened. What did they do? And God gave them plenty of time. And here's what Jeremiah said, verse 17. Jeremiah 4 and verse 17. Like watchmen of a field, they are against her all around. That is, the enemies are looking at us to take us down because she rebelled against me, says the Lord. Your ways and your doings have brought these things upon you. This is your evil. See, that's what God says. And you look at the nation, you look at the world, you look at how everything is. It is that they have brought that upon themselves. And who was to bring the world the laws and commandments of God? But the people of Israel, correct? Did they do it? No. Verse 18, your way and your doing have brought these things upon you. This is your evil how bitter it is, how it pierces into your heart. Isn't that the way you, you feel when you watch some of these things on the news and what's going on? Terrible. Absolutely incredible. See? So he says, my bowels, my bowels are wither in pain. All walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly within me. I cannot be silent because you have heard, O oh, my soul, the sound of the ram's horn and the alarm of war, and that is coming. That is coming. Verse 20, destruction upon destruction is cried. How many terrible destructive things have been happening in America? Unreal. For the whole land is laid waste. That's coming. Suddenly my tents are laid waste, my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the banner of war? And we have a war going on within us, right? Yes, indeed. And all of our enemies are feeding them to undermine us. Verse 22. For my people are foolish, they have not known me. They are stupid children who have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Okay? No, they don't. And you try and help people who's doing good, and you get arrested because you push them, and you go to jail. So he says, come down here to verse 27. For thus, as the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. Okay? So it's going to get worse, a lot worse. Okay? Come over here to chapter 5. Okay? Verse 7. Here's what it is. This report 
shows that the nails are being driven into the top of the coffin. And there isn't going to be any turning back. See? And remember this, as I've said how many times, God is judging also for the death of 62 million unborn. And most of them are the firstborn to belong to God. Right? God is going to judge for that blood. How long shall I pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me and have sworn by them that are no gods. When I fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and gathered themselves by troops in harlots' houses. And they were like lusty, well-fed stallions in the morning, everyone neighing after his neighbor's wife or whatever sexual perversion that comes along. Shall I not punish for these things, says the Lord? And shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation? It's going to. It's coming. See? Come to chapter 6. We'll go here first. We've gone here before. Okay. Jeremiah 6 and verse 13. For they have healed the herd of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Is not this an abomination that I just read to you here? Huh? The worst kind of abomination that you take innocent children and you practice various sex things on them and teach them to abuse themselves and destroy their minds and their emotions and their, everything about their life. No, they were not ashamed, nor could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be cast down. Okay. Therefore, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Now, this is what we are to do. This is what we are to say. And we are not to worry about anybody's Poor little feelings that they don't like it. If they don't like it, take it to God. Thus says the Lord, stand in the way and see and ask for the old path where the good way is and walk in it. Yes. What is the commandment to end all of this right here? No adultery, no sex outside of marriage. Period. End of story. And remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Those of you who are online, you make note of this. Go ahead and Google ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it will make your hair stand on 
ends. And they said, last sentence, verse 16, we will not walk in it. But isn't that the answer to the commandments of God? They won't walk in it. I also set watchmen over them, saying, Hearken to the sound of the ram's horn. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore, hear. Okay? Now, I don't know how far this message is going to go. I don't know who it's going to go to. But I know this. And it's a proven fact that after the death of Herbert Armstrong, the medium outlets determined never again. And has there been anybody on radio, television, or on the internet to really have a message to reach out to people that has not been squashed by the high-tech Measures that they have today? Yes. Okay. So therefore, hear, O you nation, and knowledge, and know, O congregation that is among them, hear, O earth. See? What did Jesus say of the words of God? He didn't come to abolish it. Not the law, nor the prophets. And as long as heaven and earth stand, they're in effect. That's a paraphrase. And heaven and earth is still here. And they are in effect. And they operate automatically. You may be able to fool some people. You may be able to even fool yourself. But you cannot fool God. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened to my words nor to my law, but have rejected it. Okay? So what's going to happen? How's it going to be? All right? Let's come back to the book of Ezekiel. Let's look at some other things. Okay? You read the whole book of of Jeremiah. He spent 40 years witnessing to them. And after the death of King Josiah, what did he do? The lament or lamentation of Jeremiah the prophet. You read it. You read what God did to Jerusalem. And he did it not just once, but he did it twice. And then a third time during the days of the Barkovka revolution in 135. And scraped the earth. Jerusalem did not exist. And those who escaped to Masada... By the time the Romans got up there, they all committed suicide. And if the Jews would acknowledge 
in real repentance, not under their prayer shawl, but on their knees that God did this because of the sins of the people. They always blame the enemy without realizing their sins did it. Okay? Ezekiel 3, verse 4. And he said to me, Son of man, go, get up to the house of Israel and speak to them my words. For you were not sent to a people of a strange speech, a difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and a difficult language whose word you cannot understand. Surely, if I had sent you to them, they would have hearkened to me. But the house of Israel will not be willing to hearken to you, for they will not be willing to hearken to me, for all the house of Israel are a hard forehead and foreheaded and stubborn people. Okay? So then he says, Behold, I make your face strong against them. All right? Let's come to Ezekiel 7. There's a lot of things in there. So you read the whole thing. Let's start in verse 1. Ezekiel 7. Verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, thus says the Lord to the land of Israel, an end. An end. And that's coming. God is not going to tolerate this. And he's not going to wait another generation. Remember the message I gave about why sexual morality is good? And that in the third generation of sexual immorality, a nation is conquered and overcome because it's unfit to exist? And remember what? We are halfway through that third generation. And guess what comes out? This. To pervert every child as early as possible. The end. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end has come upon you and I will send my anger upon you and will judge you according to your ways and will lay upon you all your abominations. And this is the depth of the epitome of Satan the devil and his abominations right here. The only thing that goes further is you slit the child's throat and you drink its blood and you eat its flesh.
My eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will repay your ways upon you, and your abomination shall be in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord, an evil, behold, an unheard of evil has come. And it's coming. The end has come. The end has come. It awakens against you. Behold, it has come. The encirclement of doom has come unto you, O dwellers of the land. The time has come. The day of tumult is near and not a joyful shouting upon the mountains. And I will pour out my fury upon you and fulfill my anger upon you, and I will judge you according to your ways and reward you according to your abominations. These are the words of God. And with this kind of thing going on, it is coming. And no one going to turn it back. He says, verse 9, My eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. Because you didn't have pity on those poor, innocent children to pervert them in Sodom and Gomorrah as early as you can. I will repay you according to your ways and your abominations that are in your midst. And you shall know that I am the Lord who strikes. Behold the day. Behold, it is come. The encirclement of doom has gone out. The rod has blossomed. Arrogance has budded. Violence has risen up like a rod of wickedness and none of them shall remain, nor of their multitude, nor of any of their riches, nor shall there be wailing for them. The time has come, the day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn. The wrath is upon all her multitudes. All right. There's more yet that can be said. Okay. Let's come to chapter 9, verse 1. And he cried into my ears with a loud voice, saying, Let the executioners of the city come near, even each with his destroying weapon in his hand. Okay? And then he says, Those who mourn for all the sins of Israel, you put a mark on their forehead and I will spare them. But all the rest are for slaughter. Okay? Now, let's finish by coming to Ezekiel 22. Now, we've covered this before, but it's important that we grasp the fact 
that we are now living in these days. And now is the time for us to stand strong for God and not back down. See? Okay, Ezekiel 22, verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst. Conspiracy of the politicals. Conspiracy of the educators. Conspiracy of the bankers. Conspiracy of the religious leaders. All conspiring to do the bidding of Satan, the devil. But they think it's enlightenment from themselves. There's a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst like a roaring lion devouring the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken treasure and precious things to make many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my laws and profaned my holy things. That goes for all of those religious leaders of Judaism, Catholicism, and so-called Christianity. You've done violence to the word of God. They put no difference between the holy and profane. They have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. That's how we got where we are today. Her rulers in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get unjust gain. Her prophets have covered themselves with whitewash, seeing false visions and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus says the Lord, when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and committed robbery. They have troubled the poor and the needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Look at all of the violence in all, all the cities. Some cities worse than the other. Okay. And I sought for a man among them who should build up a wall for the land and stand in a breach before me so that I should not destroy it, but I did not find one. And that tells us what? That tells us every true minister of God has got to stand for the truth and what we have covered here today. We've got to do it. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them and have burned them up with fire, the fire of my mouth. I have recompensed their way upon their heads, says the Lord. Okay. So this is the evil that comes upon us with the lowest abomination ever of perverting 
young children in sexual practices and activities that destroy their lives, their emotions, and everything about them. And God will not tolerate that because that is the epitome. You haven't had enough in killing them out of the womb, and now you've got to pervert and destroy them in the infancy of their lives so that you can titillate your own sexual fiendish desires. And God is coming to judge. Amen.